and welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, a Neon Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 5, Episode 2, which is titled Split Second. The episode aired on October 1st, 1998. Lauren, what was going on that week 23 years ago? Well, it was a slow news week, but future ER star John Stamos weds actress Rebecca Romaine. The couple would be together until 2004 when Stamos filed for divorce. Ants, the absolutely horrific-looking animated kids' film released as a sort of fuck you to Pixar thanks to bad blood between (laughs) studio heads, debuts and narrowly beats out fellow newcomer What Dreams May Come for Box Office Crown. Specifically released a month ahead of time so they could beat out um, A Bug's Bug's Life, Life. which will be out next month. And I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith continues its four-week run atop the music charts. The animal crackers everywhere were sad. (sighs) All right. As far as what else was on that evening at 8 p.m., friends with the episode The One with All the Kissing. At 8.30 p.m., Jesse with the episode Goober Up the Nose. I see that Jesse is giving Veronica's Closet a run for his money for compelling episode titles. Yeah. Uh, at 9 p.m., Frasier with the episode Frasier's Curse. And at 9.30, Veronica's Closet with the episode Veronica's a Partner Now. This week's episode had 30.6 million viewers tuning in, down just about a million from last week. Uh, this week's episode is directed by Christopher Missiano, doing his second out of 11 episodes. Previous one of his we did was Suffer the Little Children at the end of season four. And this week's episode is written by Carol Flint, doing her 11th out of 15. Uh, ones of hers from season four we did were Family Practice and Ambush. And our previously on ER, and our previously on is brought to us by Mark this week. Um, and someone's knocking at Carter's door at 2.45 a.m. to get let into their <laughs> dorm room because they're locked out. And, of course, it's Bernard. It is Bernard. Plus, plus uh, someone who we who you might have seen from other things. Yeah, so starting a trend in this episode of, oh, hey, it's that guy's, because, spoilers, there's a lot of them. Uh, The first one here is actor Reggie Lee, who appeared in the TV series Grimm, uh, Dark Knight Rises, and The Fast and the Furious, among many other things. He's definitely kind of an, oh, hey, it's that guy, particularly among Asian actors. Like, he has a very distinctive face. So if you see him in one thing, guarantee you'll see him in something else. Cool. Yeah. And that's also our second... I think we have one more appearance of Bernard. So Bernard has already completely fallen <laughs> off the map in terms of significance as a character. <laughs> well, you know, he's got to join Maggie Doyle in the, in, in the back of on the bottom of that ditch. That's right. So that's right. They'll both be there by the end of the season. Uh, so we go from there. We see Peter knocking at Lizzie's door in the middle of the night. And uh, well, first there's a little bit of intrigue. We're led to believe that, Oh, maybe she's got a, a hot date maybe uh things aren't so rosy a gentleman caller a yeah. fella maybe things aren't so rosy in ben dayland but it turns out spoilers it's her dad uh played by actor paul freeman uh who is a definite oh hey it's that guy and somebody who is always a delight whenever he pops up in anything uh he is most famous for uh playing belloc in raiders of the lost ark uh, and Ivan Ooze in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie, which is a factoid I never get tired of oh, repeating. Oh, fuck. I never get tired movie. of repeating. Power Rangers movie for ER movie reviews. The list keeps growing and we keep doing I don't think them. this counts. <laughs> uh, he, he also appeared in Hot Fuzz, uh, 132 credits to his name, and he's making his first of only three appearances. I really thought that Corday's yeah, dad factored I... in more. 
Is it maybe it's her mom that factors maybe. in more? Yeah, to the proceedings. Because I'm remembering that too. Uh, but from there, another resident wakes Carter up again because the women's bathroom toilet is overflowing, to which he responds that maintenance will take care of it. No, they won't because they're not on till eight. So Carter's got to go deal with this. Isn't it great being poor, Carter? Uh, <laughs> Jerry is on with maintenance for broken air conditioning. This will be our fun through line for the episode. Uh, Lucy is in two hours early checking her labs because she wants to make sure everything is perfect. And Doug thinks his probation is done, and it's a cute little headbutting thing between him and Carrie at the admit desk, where Carrie's convinced it's 30 business days, Doug is convinced it's 30 straight days. Carrie would be the person who would enforce a technicality like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Carrie and I have a lot alike. I love but. what I love what somebody said on I can't remember if it was the Facebook group or just our one of our posts. I think it was the post when uh, when Lizzie updated the cover photo on mm-hmm. uh, our main page. Somebody said that this is the season of bad hair that yep. Green has too much and Doug has not enough and Carrie's haircut is like too militant. <laughs> like it's just everybody's hair is just a little bit off this season and uh, this is where I definitely started to notice it as in this episode. Carrie's kind of rocking the Jennifer Green severe haircut. Yes, except as in, worse. As in, it's intentional. Like they've clearly yeah. made a, a, a stylistic choice with regards to her character and her hair. It's always interesting when I when I have to pull up those photos a couple times a year just to like because because a, a bunch of the other ones pop up as well. So it's like, holy shit, things have really changed. Yeah, <laughs> what the hell happened, to you people, over the course <laughs> of a year? It was a weird summer, okay. Uh, but poor Carter just can't sleep his dad calls him at 7 a.m uh gamma thinks he's uh slumming it in the dorms and he tells his dad no it's not clear if they're gonna pay me this year or not yeah but it feels good to pay my own way it's like he says he's practically faculty i love that he's like yeah it's a lot of leadership and you know (laughs) education and i'm 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 practically one of the faculty no carter no and then we are in with our bangs Two for two. We find out that Carol got a yes for her proposal to get a salaried RN on staff for her clinic, which is really exciting. Uh, Connie is teaching Mark (laughs) the new EMS radio. I'm leaving that one alone. Um, And that thing is such an obtuse technological mess. Like, Carol comes by and they're like, no, you have to push the pedal. No, you have to transfer. No, you have to do this. No, you have to do that. And it's just like, oh my God, no wonder he can't figure it out. But this is this is Mark's paramedics episode. This I'm is here the for paramedic it. episode. Yeah. yeah. After after that obtuse job offer last last episode, this is Mark going, I wanna get I wanna get more involved with the paramedic gang. It's also the weird encounter episode. So let's listen in as uh, Corday, her dad, and Peter are all grabbing breakfast at Doc Mayu's. So if I can't persuade my daughter, you'd be interested in the job. Uh, you know, I have considered a cardiothoracic fellowship. I mean, as a specialty, it has it all. The heart. Most magnificent machine in creation. I'm flattered you came all this way to have another go at convincing me to join your practice. I was on my way. I can't appear too eager with this one. And I can't be so picky. It isn't as if I have other options. Darling, isn't that him? Romano? Oh, God, don't let him spot us. He keeps leaving messages about some dreadful lap coley this afternoon. Well, he still is responsive. He only wants me because he's got a potential partner keen on seeing the ESOP in action, and he's not certified. The ESOP robot? Brilliant. It galls me to help him in any way. I wouldn't even give him the satisfaction of seeing that. I expect my daughter to go out fighting. 
I'm in there. Impress the hell out of Romano. Make the bugger rue the day he terminated you. <laughs> Here, go for it. I feel ganged up on. Lizzie, Peter, Mr. Corday, what a surprise. I bet you're on your way to UCSF. I came to visit my daughter while she was still here. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry we were unable to continue the fellowship. I was never fond of her working with you in the first place. I recall that. You got my message about assisting on the ESOP. Wouldn't miss it. Although, um, uh, technically you'll be assisting me, right? <laughs> well, uh, you got me on that one. Do you know I haven't seen this gadget in action? If that's all right with Dr. Romano, I'd be honored. Everything is perfect about this. I love when he goes, <laughs> yeah. Everything oh. is perfect about this. I love, I love how snarky her dad is. Yeah. Talk about perfect casting too. Like is, I don't think you could have picked a more perfect uh, choice for Corday's dad. Like he, he matches very well with it. Like the, the, they almost like try to out British each other. And mm -hmm. it like elevates her level of Britishness. Like I just, I'm, I'm a big fan of the dynamic between the two of them. And I love how much he already, like Romano's reputation precedes him. And so he already has beef with Romano before <laughs> he even comes over to the table. So I'm, I'm just so in love with everything in this scene. And I love how much Romano gets punked here. Like Romano just looks like such a sniveling little dork by the end of this. And it's just it's because so he is, he is, he is, but it's rare that we actually get to see him like with his pants down and just completely getting owned out in the middle of the cafeteria. I also just love Corday's reaction. Just, Oh God, don't let him see us. Yeah. Excuse <laughs> you. That's not the cafeteria. That's Doc Magoo's. Thank you very much. Well, I meant, I meant cafeteria in the sense of he's getting owned by the jocks, you know, in he's, he's finally getting his comeuppance. The popular girl. Yeah. Just all, all good stuff all the way around. But we go from there, uh, we see a grandmother with a lethargic baby uh, that Doug and Lucy are working with. Um, they're trying to cool him down a little and work. This one's a bit of a mystery, and it also doesn't really go very much of anywhere. Like, this one, they nope. kind of set up a little mystery and then completely abandon it. Um, yeah, it's like, this is it. Yeah. Like, what the hell? I would have actually loved to see more of this. Yeah, like, this one kind of had a little bit of uh, flavors of house to it. Like, kind of a mystery patient where we're not quite sure what's causing it. Um, but they're trying to cool him down. They turn the lights down in the room. Uh, baby's not sweating, uh, even with a fever. Uh, and then we get like a brief mention from Weaver about, are you, you know, what, what you doing in there? Why is the lights off? You know, like she's just very cagey around Doug here. So, uh, and so instead of a nosy neighbor, Doug, Doug has a nosy attending. Yeah. Yeah. It's just got Carrie Weaver, you know, checking up over his shoulder. Every, every movie makes, uh, we hear that Carla may not make it to Reese's ear appointment. Keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, and the running joke continues. Everybody's still bugging Jerry about the heat. Isn't this... Haven't we done this before? I feel like we did this back in season one, I want to say. There was an episode where it was hot the whole time yep. and everybody was bugging Jerry about the AC. Broken AC is an easy one to go back to. Yeah. Uh, Lucy grabs Carter a coffee and drops it off for him when he gets in, which kind of takes Carter by surprise and thaws the ice a little bit between the two of them. And uh, she keeps referring to him as Dr. Carter as they're walking down the hall. And I believe it's Jerry who's like, stop calling him Dr. Carter. He's just Carter, <laughs> which I like quite a bit. Carter responds, Dr. Carter's fine. I just, it's so good. Yeah, he's starting to warm up to her. He's starting to think, okay, maybe she's not incompetent. Like she could do the IV her first day. It's good. 
Then we go over to Doug is giving Carol a massage in the lounge and they're talking about who to hire for the clinic. And Doug's like, oh, just hire yourself. <laughs> Carol's like, no, I can't do that. But um, all of a sudden, a gunshot wound patient is brought in by Doris, who was attacked by the guy when she went to help him out. So she's got a nice laceration up on her eyebrow. And he's yelling at his friend, who's in the other trauma room, and his, his friend got <laughs> shot in the butt. So he's like, he capped you in the ass? <laughs> these two. I don't know how to feel about these two, honestly, but I can't decide if they're caricatures or just like... Oh, they're very much caricatures. Yeah. They just happen to be also caricatures that occasionally are very funny. Just your typical gang member who thinks they're invincible. Yep. The whatever trope you want to attribute that to. Yep. And this... A commonly used one in this show. Yep. And the one yelling is, he got shot in the head, right? Yeah. He shot like the neck or something neck like or that. Neck or head or something. I just remember him having a head bandage on. But Carter brings Lucy into both traumas to see if they can help at all, to which they can't really. But I want to note whose films are those? In both rooms. <laughs> Wouldn't be an episode of ER without that. I gotta do it where I can. Uh, but Doris and Mark are talking about the trauma as Mark is trying to sew her up. Um, or at least get started, <laughs> too. Um Mark uh, talks to her about the EMS director job and her th- general thoughts on it. And she's like, I hate to see it happen to such a decent guy. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly there's already a, rep- a reputation with this position uh, floating around there. She asks if, And she asks, am I going to have a scar? And Mark says, nah, I'm too good at this. I yeah. love I love good Mark. Good Mark's back. Yeah, no, yeah. N- of note, Mark is not actually on today. He's just following around the paramedics, says sort of like a... Do I want to do this? Do do I think I can make a difference here with this? Getting yeah. to know you, Dave. Yeah, I, yeah. We talked about this a little bit at the top, but like, I just love that this is like the EMT episode, and that the EMTs actually get something to do for a change. Like, mm-hmm. Doris actually gets a little bit of something here, which actually I I use this scene as the clip for this week's episode just because a it's cool that Doris actually gets a chance to do something that more than just give the bullet. Uh, and also too that uh, Emily Wagner is just a really nice person and is a very supportive person and is like usually likes our <laughs> stuff and I want to give her some shine yeah. whenever possible. Um, Check yeah. out her interview with us in your podcast feeds. Yeah, but yeah, I just I like I mean and and, and it it's kind of a a widespread too like she gets something to do we'll get zadro a little bit later they get something to do and even olbiz gets um you know a little bit of something to do she doesn't get quite as much as the other two but like it's just nice to get to see them do something that doesn't involve them rattling off the bullet when they come into a trauma and then disappearing so right uh we then see doug talking about the uh, gunshot wound victim uh, says he, that he thinks he's masking and clearly in pain and Carrie changes the subject, confirms that his probation is over as of yesterday. So Doug is off the hook for the time being. Woo. Good for him. Uh, she scolds him, though, and says, you know, this whole thing meant nothing to you. It's just water under the bridge, which I mean, what do you what do you want from him? Like, it's, I think it's like Lizzie said a couple episodes ago, let the man live his life. Like, is he supposed to <laughs> carry this with him for all eternity from now on just because you don't approve? Like, uh carry i mean it was a doug doug did doug doug things and gets a doug punishment for it i mean yeah like i said he flew Dougie about Doug. He, he he flew about as close to the sun as you can get and he managed to get away with it so yeah or did he oh, for now. um he won't get away with it next time <laughs> all right okay cool bye <laughs> what? okay let's go 
spoiler alert. Um, care, but uh, let's go over to our next audio clip. It's kind of a mishmash of like eighty different things, but like the through line is Carter is Carter. But uh, we're gonna start off. It starts off with uh, Carrie and Mark talking about the EMS job. You know, I think it's a wise move for you. Great research opportunities in EMS. Well, I'm actually more interested in coordinating paramedic care. And for once, you and I would not be in competition. Field work was never my forte. You wouldn't want this job, Carrie. There's no money, no power, no glory. You're right. It doesn't fit into my Machiavellian scheme to rule the emergency department. You heading out? Yeah, Rachel's got a soccer game. Like to we give a minute? Absolutely. Jerry, it is freezing in here. I know. I don't know if you noticed, I put in a salary request. I did. My finances have changed of late, and it's no longer going to be feasible Yeah, for I me. approved it. And frankly, I was glad to see it. Someone who practices medicine as a hobby runs the risk of looking like a dilettante. Ah, yes. Well, that's not me. It's not me. And that's what's been worrying me, is that while I was unpaid, it, it held me back from stating my long-term goal. Which is? I want to be chief resident. You don't have to worry about that quite yet, do you? No. I want to come out of the gate strong. You know, it's the only way to really build a career. Well, you're off to a good start with your student. Ms. Knight is organized and in control. Yeah, Lucy's right on top of it. Yeah, a good student is usually evidence of a good teacher, and that's the first step toward being a chief. I say, Jerry. I'm on it, OK? They're turning me up now. Actually, I was going to ask you if you paged me. Yeah, that was me. Where's the gentleman with the gunshot wound? Uh, bangers to curtain three. You know what? Don't lead her by the nose too much, you student. I will keep that in mind. Jerry, it's like a meat locker in here. <laughs> Poor Jerry. Oh, Jerry. The man cannot win this episode. Cannot catch a break. I love Carter uh, just parroting back Lucy's talking points to him from earlier mm-hmm. about uh her own career path he's now parodying those sa- or parodying those same uh talking points back to weaver about chief resident i had i had to look up dilettante because i had never heard it before i was gonna ask you miss english major i was not an english major but i will still give you the definition i did ap english but um it is a person who cultivates an area of interest such as the arts without real commitment or knowledge. So that was a sick burn. Yeah. It's kind of like a really, really, really kind of snarky way of saying jack of all trades. Yeah. That's a Carrie burn. That's a that Carrie is. burn. But yeah, yeah also Carrie totally has Machiavellian schemes to take over the <laughs> ER. You know she does. When she used the phrase Machiavellian scheme, I lost my shit. <laughs> like, that, that was just a very Carrie string of sentences. It's so good. I am Carrie. And it's great. Do you have Machiavellian schemes to take over your company? No, I just meant in how I talk about oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> no, if anything, yeah, it's I'm... the opposite. Lauren has Machiavellian she... schemes to do less at her company. <laughs> I'm work. I'm working on asking for more help, but um, I do love how she's like, no, I, I approved it already. Like, good for you for asking for it. Like, way to encourage agency in your staff. Yeah, Carter's less poor. Yay! <laughs> Carter's gonna survive. Yay! Um, but then from there we go over to Benton and Anspa are discussing Reese's um, hearing issues because uh, Benton mentions that he has the appointment later for hearing testing and Anspa's like oh you know he was a preemie right don't, don't they use drug X for him like that can sometimes be an issue and Benton's like oh shit so at, at the time we're led to believe Benton's going to reschedule the hearing test to take part in a really fancy surgery with Anspa 
but we don't see that surgery and we do see the hearing test. So I'm not sure if he actually moved it around or if he was just talking about doing it, but ended up putting Reese first. My man's also in hardcore denial at this point. Yep. Oh, yep. 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 That whole episode. Hardcore denial. Oh, you hate to see it. You know what else you hate to see? The F word. This next part? The F word. And not not the one I'm so fond of. Um, <laughs> so we go. The three letter F word. Yeah, we go back to our. that Which, to be clear, is not the one I'm fond of. <laughs> Just want to get that on record. Yeah. Uh, at, le- oh. at least not since I was 13. Uh, but <laughs> we go. Good boy. We go down to uh, the gunshot wound victims who are now sharing a uh, exam room. And uh, Yosh is kind of bouncing back and forth working on them when one of them charmingly refers to him as a Chinese blank. Uh, to which Yosh quickly responds, Japanese, which I love. Like, I love how quickly he's <laughs> so just, like, good. It's a very, it's a great Yosh clapback. Top 10. Yo- when we do, when we find, Does... when I finally get around to doing that bonus episode of top 10 Yosh clapbacks, that will be number one. Just kidding. There will the not fa- be. A he bonus doesn't episode. even, he doesn't even bat an eye. He doesn't look abashed. He's nope. just like Japanese. Yep. Japanese. And it just keeps right on rolling. Um, also, if it helps you differentiate between the two, I usually refer to it as the F slur. There you ah. go. There you go. Then the F word. That's how I. The more you bundle know. of sticks. Yes. Uh, but so there's a there is a girl already in the room with one of the guys, and then another one comes in, and the one that was already in the room at the start of the scene we have seen before, uh, and we have seen many times since. Uh, Taraji P Henson, who is making her second appearance, uh, first appearance not as Benton's niece. Like she was <laughs> okay. She was just with us literally like five episodes ago, uh, as Benton's niece, and now she's back as a gangbanger's girlfriend. Hey, that's months same. ago in the timeline. That's true. Of the show that is true. Lots of shit could have happened. Yeah, when I heard that she was, or, or when I saw that she was going to be coming back so soon, I just assumed that it was going to be in a more kind of significant role, which I guess it kind of is. Like she gets to do a little bit of something here which we'll get into later but it's still it's still i guess in hindsight feels like a criminal underutilization of such a talented actress but again she wasn't she was not taraji p henson the exact the brand yeah. at this point but um the other of the two uh young gentlemen in this scene here he's stressing out about possibly having to get a colostomy bag and his friend and girlfriend are teasing him about the possibility of him having to shit into a bag don't recommend them i've never had one myself but i've taken care of someone who has don't recommend them seems like a bad time nope from there (laughs) we have we have we have a little a little sprinkle of foreshadowing here with carrie and lizzie having a chat about you know lizzie's current predicament and her being let go and not finding any other placement and Carrie just says, you know, I have heard of foreign doctors who were willing to start over as interns. Mm. The seed has been planted. Hmm. But then as they're talking, there is a kerfuffle in chairs. <laughs> and it's the two girls from earlier having a big fight. And Carrie walks over with her cane and, like, splits them up. And it's like, girls, girls, <laughs> take it outside. Come on. Not in chairs. Go out. And she's just, like, not whacking them with the cane, but just, like, sweeping she, them. She whacks it's the, amazing. the vending machine with it one time. One yeah. One time. Which, yeah, it's I want so more good. of that. Her, Laura Inez's prop work with that cane, it, when she does it, because she doesn't do it often, but as a comedic highlight or as a scene beat when she needs to, it's just chef's kiss. Yeah. It's so good. She's great at knowing not to overdo it, but when it's going to be good to use. Yeah. 
So yeah, she kicks them out. They go out into the ambulance bay. And we go over to uh, Mark at Rachel's soccer game, which for some reason I had this mixed up with something else. Like <laughs> I had this, I think I had this mixed up with a scene in the later seasons okay. with Morris, where Morris gets like accused of being a pedophile. Yep. 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 Which I believe uh, somebody brought up, but yes. Yeah. So this, so this just, when this played out in a much different, much better way, <laughs> the, I was happy. Um, but yeah, Marcus at Rachel's soccer game. Uh, he didn't know that she was playing on a co-ed team. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I feel like if you're going to, I feel like, Kids soccer. If you're gonna have a co-ed team, kids soccer is probably a safe, safe enough place to, to have that. Yeah, I yeah. Don't know. Uh, but he gets into a passive-aggressive yelling match with another dad, <laughs> which, yeah. As someone, as someone who has, uh, who was former Little League umpire, yeah. What? That, that happens a shit ton. I told you this. I forgot. Yeah, I was a Little League umpire for four years. When? Uh, when uh, age is age is thirteen to uh, seventeen. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Oh wait, no, 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 because no. when did I move? We're Shit. gonna be here all night. <laughs> I shouldn't have been. No, it was twelve. It was twelve to sixteen. Okay. Sorry, it was twelve to sixteen. Im- important. Important detail. detail yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, those little those little t-ball kids need a. When we have the STT pop quiz for our patrons <laughs> years down the line, that will be what a key ages question. did Lizzie work as the little league umpire Jesus. in the Chicago suburbs? Twelve to sixteen. Twelve yeah, to there sixteen. Market. But down. what cities did I do it in? Uh, I'm gonna guess. Can I guess? Sure. Buffalo Grove. Sure. Geneva. Yeah. Yes. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Lauren takes the gold again. <laughs> I know my fiance. So, as as an umpire, uh, though, did you ever have to like discipline any of these overzealous parents? Like, did you ever have to like kick anybody out or uh, a couple times? As yeah. a thirteen year old, <laughs> a couple times. It was more when I was it was more when I was older because oh, because okay. you when because at least the way that they did it when in the league that I was doing it is basically when I was that young, like when I was twelve, they started you do only doing t ball kids. Mm. And you can only do like one game every two weeks or something like that, just to first for whatever thing. It's... But 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 as you moved up in a as you personally moved up in age, you moved up another year every. So like thirteen year olds could do whatever the I forget the, the next exact yeah. There was like there's a whole bunch of horse names for the leagues, but yeah, it's like Bronco Pinto. Okay. Some, <laughs> Santa Maria. <laughs> Santa Maria, yes. Um, is this where you got your confidence to become a judge for MTG? I guess. Magic I the Gathering, not not the calling calling balls and strikes yeah. in Little League. Yeah, can give me confidence to know the rules of a incredibly complex card game. Yeah. Well, no, to be authoritative about it. I guess it's a skill set. I guess. So what happened next? <laughs> But Rachel hit her head on the goalpost while making a save. But oh, don't no. Worry. But don't worry. She's okay. She's okay. Fine. But no first aid kit. Am, am I the only one that thinks that they brushed that under the rug really fast? Yes. Because oh, yes. the way yes. the way I... they framed that, the way they shot it, and the way it's presented is like, they make it seem like she's just suffered tremendous head trauma. 
It's like yeah. it's like Michelle falls off the horse in Full House. That's for three of you. <laughs> yeah. I think it was Michelle, not Stephanie, but still, that's for three of you. When at worst, she has a mild concussion. Yeah. Like, maybe. I thought for sure, because she falls, she hits her head on the, the pole of the, the goalpost as she falls, and, and it's the back of her head, too. And she's motionless on the ground, like, is not moving at all. And then... Uh, Mark starts to run over and then they cut the camera to they, like they flip the perspective and before he can even get there the kids are already helping her up and I thought for sure as he was running up he was going to be yelling at them not to move her like I thought that was going right. to be the thing yeah. was like she just hit her you just saw her hit her head this is 101 shit you're supposed to be the EMS director here guy like if you see someone hit their head chances are you don't want to move them. But I don't know. Like, it's just, it feels like a thing that they, like, swept under the rug very fast here. Agreed. Like, got up, oh, I got leaf, you got a leaf in your hair. Yeah. Like, it, it goes from, like, potentially scary medical moment to just, like, sweet saccharine daddy-daughter moment very quickly. But uh, we go back to the ER. We have our next patient, a gentleman who is having trouble urinating and keeps trying to smoke in the ER. Uh, Mr. Savage, who's played by another kind of, oh, hey, it's that guy, uh, actor Alan Blumenfeld, who appeared in uh, the TV series Heroes, Brooklyn Bridge, and Righteous Kill, 187 credits to his name, which I think makes him the high watermark guy for the episode. Uh, We then go from there. We see Carter uh, bringing in a girl with multiple stab wounds. It was the one of the two girls that was seen fighting in chairs most recently. and then we go from there up to the uh, NICU where we see Benton reviewing Reese's chart and we get another appearance of our uh, cool talking pediatrician uh, doctor or neonatologist, I think is his mm-hmm. exact title, Dr. Tabish. Uh, he shows up and kind of seems to assuage some of Benton's concerns regarding Reese's treatment as a preemie and kind of what, you know, that his hearing was tested at the time and it was fine. So it seems like at least at this point, Benton is satisfied that things are going to be okay. So keep that in your back pocket as we go along in the rest of the episode. Gentamycin was yes. the drug X Thank that you. Lauren was referring to earlier. Just remembered. I was real bad with names this whole episode. It's fine. It's been a week, <laughs> folks. <laughs> Lemon, it's Wednesday. Um, <laughs> 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 it's It's Thursday. <laughs> Uh, but Carter's leading the trauma of the young lady uh, in front of Lucy. And uh, the young lady's lung got perked and the wound is bubbling. Ugh. So, you know, not not great, Bob. Um, and, oh no, Lucy is expected to draw blood. And she does so and the hemoglobin is... It first comes back as 8.9. Yeah, 8. 9, yeah okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. I wrote so, that weird. It's okay, yeah. So the hemoglobin which they're checking, comes back at 8.9, which indicates a severe internal bleed. But it turns out Lucy did the stick wrong, and Carol covers for her and says, Lucy didn't calibrate the machine, air quotes, and the person's hemoglobin is actually 12.8, which is fine. I mean, she's stable. Yep. At least in that regard. Yep. Yeah. So they're at least bagging her and getting air circulating through one lug until they can get her fully stable. But she's she's okay for right now. She's not hemorrhaging to death. Yeah. yeah. And to, to clarify what happened here was that Lucy took the blood sample from above where the IV or is either above or below. I forget. But it was it was, it was above. Yeah. Above where the IV was placed, which diluted the sample, which is why the hemoglobin was yeah. so low. So 
Thank you. I didn't quite catch like what had happened with where she drew it from. Um, but then afterwards, the trauma room clears out, and Lucy is in there beating herself up about doing it wrong, and Carol's in there with her and says, you know, I'm not going to cover for you again, and you need to start asking questions. You can't be, you know, you can't be doing this. Your problem is you want to be perfect. Get over it. Know when to ask for help. And it's so good here, and I think this is a really hard truth that Lucy definitely needed. Yeah. And she's not she's not overly rude about it either. She's just straight with her. Exactly, and that's my thing. I, I'm going to put on my Carol Defender hat once again because we had more comments again from people who I, I knew it was going to happen. Pissy about Carol here, and I'm just again like like you said, she's not rude about it. She's not even really particularly. I mean, she is a little stern with her, and it's just like you know, get over yourself, like ask for help. But I mean, it's a fast-paced industry, and it's an industry where if you fuck up enough times and in at the wrong time, somebody's gonna die. Like, I mean, she needs you pull a Rhonda. Yeah, like she needs to get the gravity of the situation across to her here. And it's not like she punked her out in front of everybody. Like she, right? She covered for her when you know everybody was in the room she waited until everything cleared out to i i still have yet to see any of this this mythical carol being a bitch to lucy thing like i have yet to see she any was, concrete evidence she was way she was way more of a bitch to genie yeah oh yeah she treated genie horrible compared to this so i, I just yeah. don't get it at all i mean i know that there's some people who just don't like carol and that's fine i can't make you like a character but I don't think this is at least I mean, I, I will save my judgment until we get deep into the weeds as the season goes along. And there may be a spot where Carol is really out of line. But so far, yeah. two episodes in, I still haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. this isn't the hill I would die on if you're going to use if you're going to say Carol sucks as a character. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then Carter comes in and he's like, oh, Lucy, you have to come see this. You know, there's a there's a gastro issue and, you know, we get to remove a whole carrot <laughs> or something like that. And Lucy, sweet, sweet baby Lucy, goes, how did somebody eat a whole carrot in one piece? (laughs) And then uh, Carter, yeah, how did somebody swallow a whole carrot? Uh, Carter, Carol, and Lucy all look at each other, and Carter laughs and kind of pats her on the head, and she goes, oh, their butt. Got it. This this was my my runner-up clip for this episode, because it's just so, so good. It's really cute and another little running joke for the rest of the episode. But then, you know, Lucy steps out of the room to go prep whatever she needs to do. And Carol takes a moment just to tell Carter that, you know, Lucy needs guidance. Don't just assume that she knows everything because she seems so on top of it. Like, she needs help. She needs to be taught. And Carter's like, no, she's fine. She's great. Look at her. She's doing wonderful. And Carol's like, no, man, she needs help. And then we go back to Mr. Savage. He is smoking in the exam room. Carol st- takes all of his cigarettes and is like, my dude, you can't be doing this. And says that she's going to have to put in a Foley cath. Yikes. Hmm. And the dude just lays back with a little bit of a grin on his face. Yeah, it's very subtle. It's very, very, very subtle. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but then we go up to the surgical floor. Uh, Corday and Romano were working with the ASOP machine, which is basically like an Alexa-powered <laughs> surgery robot. <laughs> or at least the 1998 version of that. Um, yeah, and they're using lasers instead of uh, normal cauterizing. So they're, instead of using the bovi, I think, is what they mm-hmm. use to cauterize typically. Um, yeah, they're using freaking laser beams attached <laughs> to the machine. Um, 
Yeah, I, ju- I just love how in her element she looks in this scene. Yeah, like you yes. you get you get like the best the best of Lizzie Corday in this scene here. Like you yep. get to see her in her absolute element, and I like that so much. So we go from there. We see a little girl coming in. She's been wheezing for a month. Uh, was given given treatment for croup at the last hospital she was at, but that's been no help. So they're going to x-ray her for any foreign matter and then endoscopy if they can't find anything. And I believe that we also get a, a little, another little like worming her way in from Weaver here where she's like, mm-hmm. endoscopy, it seems a little bit like she just like, she's really turning up the dial on the Doug, uh, the Doug thing in this episode, really, really going after him. Uh, Carol asked to borrow Lucy for her to practice her IVs on Mr. Savage can't imagine that going wrong for everyone involved we'll see how that turns out Mm-mm. uh and then we see an addict coming in to doug uh looking for the rapid detox procedure so the word is out on doug's rapid detox service uh, and the addict here is played by uh kind of an oh hey it's that guy bernard white is the actor's name who appeared in the movies the matrix revolutions and the matrix reloaded as well as Captain America Winter Soldier. Among many other things, he has 116 credits to his name. Uh, Obviously here he's looking a little bit worse for wear, kind of a little bit homeless look to him. So he's kind of got a grungy look to him. So he might not look as familiar as he does in other stuff. Oh, okay, that guy. Okay, I know who he is. That's what we're looking for. Ah, that guy. That should be my sound clip for these. He's the guy in uh, Matrix when Neo is uh, trapped between the worlds. He's what he's the at Indian the train guy. Station. Yeah, he's at the train station. He's the Indian guy who's traveling through that station as well with his family. There you go. Uh, and Carrie's just trying to get the point across to Doug that uh, there's consequences to these actions because Doug is still under the impression that he did the right thing. It was the right. It was the benevolent right thing to do. Everything's totally fine and great, and that there were no ill ill effects. And Carrie's just trying to, which she has a little bit of a point here. She's still kind of going about it in a shitty way, but. She does have a little bit of a point here. Then uh, from sick kids to dead kids, uh, we have a 13-year-old karate student who collapsed after his instructor kicked him in the chest. Uh, he was down for 30 minutes before he even got to the ER. So it's they 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 don't really joke, but they like half-heartedly say, "Oh yeah, we could have just driven him straight to the morgue." Mm-hmm. Like this kid's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but. They're still gonna tr- they still still gonna try their darndest because can't say can't say he's dead until they've they've given it a go in a situation like this. So Lydia's wearing a coat because it's freezing in the ER. Damn it, Jerry! Cute little touch. Just I just noticed it and I thought it was cute. But um, Mr. Savage's private nurse shows up to talk to Carol, and it turns out that he enjoys procedures and being scolded by nurses. And as um, as this woman is telling Carol this, Carol's going, oh, no. Oh, no, I left Lucy in there. Oh, God. So they run in. Carol calls psych on the guy. And she's like, I think you need psych, too. You're not a real RN. And the woman is a dominatrix who does basic medical procedures on her clientele. And I love how she was like, I was just there Thursday. Couldn't you? Or I was just there last weekend. Couldn't you wait until Friday? Like, oh, oh, boy. Oh boy, there's a lot. There's, there. there's, there's a, a lot, lot to unpack there. Yeah. This is this is very well performed by everybody yeah. though. It's like it's not too over the top. You're just all like, Ugh. yeah. And Lucy never got the IV either. Nope. 
continues to elude her. But I love how Carol runs in and is like, stop, stop, <laughs> stop, don't touch him. I know, and I like how Lucy's like, but I was just about to get it. Like, she d- she's still very naive and still, like, clueless, and I just I yep. enjoy it. Uh, and the nurse here is played by actress Deborah Engel, who appeared in TV series Dream On, Golden Girls, and the Golden Girls spinoff series, The Golden Palace, which I have not seen a single episode of, but I've been told is... There's a Golden girls yes there is yeah they run, they run a, hotel. a hotel and i believe don Cheadle guest starred on an episode uh might have been a, an arc of episodes but there's like a clip that was going around last year from that uh with uh don Cheadle. like it, it, it did you know george it had to do with like a confederate flag or something so it had it had like yep. resonance with what was going on last summer did you know uh george clooney was a guest star on golden girls that doesn't surprise George me. Clooney was a guest star on a million realizing. things before he was on ER. I know. So, but also, I'm realizing that Don Cheadle's on the show later. Yeah. Yeah. In later seasons, which unlocks so many possibilities for movie oh reviews God. later down the line. We have to make Daniel watch superhero uh, movies. Yeah, I got to make him watch Iron Man two. I've at least I've at least seen Iron Man two. That's fair. But from there, one of the EMTs is talking with Mark about the chest trauma to the 13-year-old and how under-equipped a lot of the trucks and rigs are. Because if one of the rigs, if one of the rigs had had a um, an automatic defibrillator on board, they maybe would have been able to get this kid's heart stabilized in time. But the fire truck that they were working with did not have. It one. just goes to show too how long ago this is, because it was probably I would say probably five years after this like early aughts i would say that aeds became like standard uh equipment in not only ambulances fire trucks but also just most public buildings like you know gyms pools uh you know even even just like office buildings and stuff too a lot of times you'll yeah you'll see an an aed sitting on the wall like it, it was not too long after this that those like i guess here they might have still been sort of relatively new technology at least at the like at the uh lay responder level where you would maybe trust a person who only has basic cpr and aed certification to use it um but it wasn't too much longer yeah but it wasn't too much longer after this that that was kind of a standard practice so and i also like too how uh how good like we actually get a chance to showcase zadro here um, which is a, a pretty rare occurrence. You know, if, usually if the EMTs get anything to do, it's usually one of the girls who gets something to do, like either Doris or Pamela. It's rare that uh, Zadro actually gets something to do here. And he actually does a really, like you can tell he's really torn up about this kid's uh, death. So I like, I just like that. And man, turn down your volume for this uh, next part. Jesus. We are not playing it on no. here, but if you're watching oh, the episode. Hell no. Good God, turn it down. Um, Reese is, uh, yeah, when you're, if you're wife or watching this episode, please turn your volume down at the set because otherwise you're going to make some someone annoyed or angry during I, Reese's hearing test. Uh, I'll get to how I responded to this once Lizzie sums it up, but. Yeah, but Benton realizes uh, little Reese is not hearing well or really reacting to the sounds once they progress past a certain... I think it was like uh, 85 Yeah, a certain range, which is not great. But, oh my God, when she did the higher-pitched one, I almost threw up. Oh. It was not great. I was like, oh, that made me nauseous. Like, Yeah, it's not, not pleasant audio. Sour tummy. Mm. And still not, uh, still not actual baby Reese yet. 
Like we're we're still mm, we're still really? yeah. That's not that's not uh, regular Reese. That's the that's baby Reese. That ain't real. Yeah, Reese. that's still stand-in Reese. I thought so too. Yeah, I was I was a hundred like I was like okay, studying then. his face. That is not uh, not the Reese we we come to know and love. Um, and another oh hey it's that guy here. The uh, the audiologist is played by actress Frida Fosen. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I really apologize if I'm not. But uh, she appeared in stuff like Dude Where's My Car, that seminal classic from what two thousand. Uh, shout oh out to God. my mom for accompanying me to that movie in the theaters. Uh, Star Trek, <laughs> Star Trek 09 and, uh, Mulan did a voice in Mulan. Which Mulan? Uh, the original, okay, the, 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 the ming Mulan, not the, yeah, the good one. Yeah, the good one. Uh, 104 credits to her name. Uh, and then we go from there. We see Rocket and Lizzie scrubbing in for the colostomy surgery and, uh, he, has uh, rethought his decision regarding her termination, but uh, wouldn't you know, the funding is no longer there. I choose to blame Carter for this. Because <laughs> they, they gave him money. A salary in the Completely yeah. different departments. You know what? I still no, choose, you know, you know, I like it. Still, you have a general honeypot that County General has I, to from the I can't, from the from. Greg Powell I can't. corners of headcanon where uh, anybody can be a murderer and anybody can screw anybody else out of salary, I, I, I'm i here. I'm here for it. I was just about to say, I can't judge because I'm still convinced Greg Powell was the murderer. <laughs> so Wait, he wasn't? Exactly. I'm, exactly. And yeah. I still think it was a clover, not a penis well, that, that You're, nope. you're, you're penis crazy bowl. about the people that. people spoke. Yeah. The people spoke. You're, you're sounding like our former the president. The people were wrong. You're sounding like our former president. Oh, Ooh, okay. Um, that was enough to make me never argue about the penis hey, pool ever again. Thank we you, did Daniel. We'll leave it to Jake. We'll leave it to Jake in the clutch. Progress. He's got my back. So then we go from there. We see Lucy and Doug working on the little girl, and discover that mom had mom in air quotes here, because uh, well we don't know that, but mom yeah. had an STD and passed it through to the girl at birth uh, which I was not aware was a thing like that you could pass yep. it through because the way that he describes it is that, that it was passed to her through the birth canal like it wasn't like a yep. blood mm-hmm. thing or like a you know nope. it was that it was I was not aware that that was a thing it was like wow the more you know yep yep mm-hmm. also that's it. yeah it's a little icky <laughs> yeah but yep mm-hmm there's a reason I'm never having children, everybody. The body is a horrifying place. Childbirth is a horrifying thing. Great yeah. for all of you who've all done it. All the little details about childbirth. Ugh. Oh, I've offended all of the parents on this podcast. We love you, but it's just not for us. Sorry, Mary. <laughs> I love- I, she's the only one who I know as a parent that jumped she, in my she's brain. She's just podcast mom, so it's fine. Um, but then we go back to the colostomy procedure and Robert says that he says, I expected that your father is eager to have you back and you know, they're just shooting the shit and something, he says something and then Lizzie claps back with Robert, you can't work with anyone. <laughs> like she's just, she's done with I'm, his shit. She's calling I'm him out. I'm so she's here for Romano getting dunked on repeatedly in this episode. Yep. And then they, random note, they see blue dye in the Foley bag, which means the ureter was nicked during the gunshot, um, and they have to do some additional repairs while we're in there. And then Doug talks to the mom about the genital warts and the HPV that the little girl had, and is like, well, you know, if you could have had a C-section and avoided this, and it doesn't even give her a minute, and she goes, hey, mister, my daughter is adopted. 
Yeah, Doug uh, is gearing up for an, is is donning the armor. <laughs> he is charging ahead on this white knight joust, and yes. Lucy's just standing there watching, like, huh? Drama. Like she should have the popcorn from the Stephen Colbert <laughs> gift. You can see him too doing the like the Cynthia face from last season, where it's like he wants to leave his body afterwards. Where he <laughs> the the back yeah, pedal. where he's just like, oh no. I've gone too far. Like, oh, I'm just gonna go crawl in a hole and die yeah. now. Thanks. Like, I, uh, but I almost said in lighter news. And no, it's not. Uh, in other news, uh, defining plotline news. <laughs> Let's uh, listen into the results of Reese's hearing test. The loss is more profound at the higher frequencies. That's a common finding. In lower pitches, Reese begins perception at 70 decibels, which is considered a severe loss. Yeah, but uh, shouldn't a doctor take a look at that? He will, and he'll want to meet with you. But he's in surgery, and I know you wanted to hear the results. Yeah, I did. I, look, I mean, you're jumping to conclusions after one subjective test. The good news is that Reese tests within the aidable range. With digital hearing aids, he can be brought up into this speech banana. In this range, he could develop language skills. Could. Unaided, Reese can't hear talking or crying or the telephone. It's a severe to profound loss. <laughs> You're saying this after one test. I mean, look, Reese wouldn't even wear the headset. Most toddlers won't. <laughs> Two weeks ago, ENT said it was an ear infection. But his ears are clear now. Okay, look, I don't want to argue with you, okay? I just want to talk to a doctor. As soon as possible. Okay, we'll set that up. I want to highlight the seriousness which which with which she says the phrase speech banana <laughs> that with hearing aids he can be brought up to this speech banana ma'am you can't just gloss over something like a speech banana yeah i'm gonna need you to expand on that a little bit what's a speech banana is it just a sticker or is there actually a technical term amongst audiologists about speech bananas I have to know more of like regulated audio. Yeah. Like frequencies. I just, I have to know more. Or is there a special kind of banana a s- that we just don't know about that only audiologists know? We know, we know there's a second, a second banana. banana. Maybe there's a speech banana. A second banana, perhaps. <laughs> Ooh, bring back the back the STT classics, man. Throwing it way back. Still don't believe it's a thing, even though I started I using say, it in my actual you, vocabulary. You have started ah. using it. So yeah, not great. But yeah, poor Reese. This will. This will be his story. This will be Reese's and this will be Benton's main storyline yeah. for a while. And I didn't mention this. Sorry. Just pr- pretty much forever. Like this is a defining storyline for both yeah. for the rest of time. And I don't recall if we touched on this earlier, but Benton during the test kept like talking, trying to encourage mm-hmm. Reese to react. And the woman was like, can't do that. Dude, stop invalidating right. test results shut and up and then he tries to say here that the test is subjective and that she's wrong and it's like dude you were talking through the entire test and fucking with the results uh, she is an expert let her do her job is a hell of a drug uh but we go from there we see uh, doug has gone up to peds and of course carrie is not too far behind chasing after him to find out why because the woman has zero chill when it comes to doug right. cannot let him live his life under any circumstances uh, and I I love that the carrot thing became a running gag with Lucy <laughs> this episode. Like, it's such a cute little gag that they just keep going back to, uh, and I like it quite a bit. Now let's go to our next audio. Um, a semi-recurring, well, 
do we know what episode is her last episode doug's last episode uh this actor or this character this yeah i believe i don't know for sure but i believe that it is somewhere around there or it it's certainly definitely by the time carol is gone um but but a but a character who will factor into the exit of doug uh a semi-recurring a recurring character for at least the first half of the season uh, Lynette Evans shows up about uh, the clinic job. So let's listen in to her introduction. Uh, Carol Hathaway? That's me. Lynette Evans? I've been working per diem up on the third floor. And Don Anspaugh hasn't told you a word about me yet. Oh, I'm afraid not. <laughs> what can you expect of Admid besides dropping the ball? He was supposed to come down here and blow my horn so I wouldn't have to do it myself. Well, anyway, I hear you have an opening for a nurse practitioner in your clinic. Oh, I'd settle for an RN. Our budget just got approved today. Well, a nurse practitioner, which I am, by the way, would serve you better. Well, since I can write prescriptions, and I know from time to time you can't call any docs. Have you worked here already? No, I've ran my own clinics outside. Before close, that's where I know Dawn. All right, I heard about that clinic. Bye for now, suckers. <laughs> See you next time. Are you talking to anybody in particular? You addressing the nurses and doctors who took care of you? What you do, fall on that head? No, I got shot. I beg your pardon? I got shot, ma'am. Then I think you better say thank you for saving my sorry life. She wasn't my nurse. The rate you're gone, she will be next time. Just say it. Thank you for saving my life. You're welcome. All that boy needs is somebody to smack him upside his head. Um, here's my number. Keep me in mind. I will. In fact, um, I think you're great. And, uh, actually, I, I shouldn't waste our time. I'm just going to, um, I'll, I'll hire you right now. Oh, I'm gonna like your style. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Good. Oh, great. Good. <laughs> I think that was sincere. Yeah. I really, I, I really think they're going to be a power team. It always sounded sound like a nervous chuckle to me, personally. I think but. Carol's just intimidated by hiring someone herself. Especially a nurse practitioner, and somebody also, who's going to out, outflank her a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, educationally. Yeah. Or at least has more... Prescriptive authority. Yeah, I was going to say more, uh, so not, not even necessarily more authority or more power, but just can yeah. do more than she can Big, for her own Bigger clinic. scope of practice. There we go. That's a good way. To but put yeah, it. this is. But yeah, I like her. I like her a lot. I do so too. I was I, excited to see her show up. I love how she sets that kid straight. Like, I'm sorry, who were you yeah. talking to? And I love how her and Carol become good friends yeah. over her nine appearances. Yeah, which uh, is put this in the same category as Corday's dad. Like, I definitely would have thought that she had more uh, appearances too. I was thinking somewhere in the 15 range sounded about right for her. But no, only nine, which uh, she's played by actress Penny Johnson Gerald, uh, who appeared in uh, the TV series 24, Absolute Power, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and The Larry Sanders Show, among many other things. And this is, as Lizzie said, her first of nine appearances through 1999. And all I really remember about her, beyond what was alluded to earlier, all, all I really remember about her is that she is a Bob. And that she is, uh, mm-hmm. she's who I, other than Bob herself, she's who I think of when I think of the concept of a Bob, of a character who's there, gets things to do, and then all of a sudden one day just stops showing up. 
and they never really address what happens to her. So, yeah, makes an impact in the storyline with Doug with Doug and Carol this season. For yeah, sure. and I swear that she sticks around it. Like I, I feel like her appearances bleed further than just Doug's storyline, but I could be wrong about that. Well, because I think it's because spoiler alert skip ahead a minute or so if you don't want to hear about this but i think it's because when doug leaves the clinic closes right, yeah so she's out yeah, of a you're job right, yeah uh from there we go up to peds to see what the heck doug was checking on and it turns out that um mom and baby josh who were detoxed have disappeared they haven't been showing up for their follow-ups after their detoxes and the um, anesthesiologist up there says hopefully she went to her sister's place and like you know it sounded like the sister was pretty responsible so maybe she just moved out there to get her act together away from the city so doug's seeing more consequences that shit's not always going to work out exactly as he plans it and while he's up there he also sees a skateboarder that he treated down in the er who has been dealing with some neuropathic neuropathy yeah neuropathic pain yeah um, I think this is kind of supposed to be a light bulb moment for him and more of his interest in pain management. Yeah, I was I was going to ask too like I that they they place sort of a I feel like undue amount of significance on that moment where they they really dwell on it for a minute that you're supposed to take something away from it, but I couldn't I couldn't put my finger that's, on what what it was. That's the only thing I could think it would be. All right, and let's uh go to our last audio clip which is the most British conversation this <laughs> show has ever had. So what you're saying is, you saved two lives today. Well, I saved the boy from sepsis and a second trip to the OR, at least. To a wonderful doctor. <sighs> and a partner I'd be proud to have. Actually, Daddy, uh, I'm going to have to turn you down. I know this doesn't make much sense, but I have given it a lot of thought. After we sewed up that gangbanger, I mean, it wasn't a fancy save, it wasn't high tech. In fact, it was the kind of surgery one could almost do as an intern. You're not thinking of starting all over again. Why not? I mean, yes, it will be a blow to my ego, but on the other hand, I'll be practicing medicine still. It's not so shabby saving lives. And it's a means to what I really want to do, which is to stay here. How much does Peter Benton figure in this plan? I have to be a little protective after he stood us up tonight. <laughs> Peter's complicated. He had something else on his mind. And you know I'd never make a decision based on a man. That said... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. I could never have tolerated going back to the beginning, once I'd finished the fifth year. It'll only be for a year, and then I'll have a license to practice here. Does it seem like I'm giving up? On the contrary. I've never seen you fight harder. Thank you. Cheerio. <laughs> Oh man, I love the two. I want to note. Yes, I want to note the rain foley. Yeah, it's a good through line for what for yeah. what happens next. But yeah, I love how she's like. Well, you know, Peter's a little bit of it, but like he's not her whole decision. Yeah, I, I just love the dynamic so much between 
father and daughter here and like they're so perfectly matched casting wise and also to just the which i know that the 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 relationship between corday and her parents gets explored a little bit deeper later on but like the um it seems like such a healthy relationship at this point other than the whole like the the whole professional pressure thing of him wanting to join her practice and follow in his footsteps and all that stuff yada 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 but whatever but otherwise it seems like a very healthy father-daughter relationship like he's not like he's not overbearing when it comes to her relationships why did i remember him being such a hard ass no or is that her mom her mom is a bit more uptight but i somehow remember her mom her dad being a total hard ass no her dad's always her dad's always been a dad just you you're just crossing wires with mark's dad yeah or something who knows trying to think of it the only thing I can think of, and I hope this isn't it because my brain's real fucked up then, is that I'm getting it confused with Wesley's dad from Angel, in which case it's just all British people. Wow. All British people are alike. That shouldn't, you, you hear that, British that listeners? That shouldn't be it. But that's the only like British hard-ass dad I can think of. <laughs> or like, um, oh my god, what's his name? Lane's dad in Mad Men. But like, am I just mixing up all British fathers? All hash, Hashtag not all British dads. I don't know where where my brain's at tonight. It could be any myriad of things. Oh boy. So as Lauren mentioned, the uh, rain fully, there is a nice uh, through line that carries us into the final scene of the episode where we see Benton staring at the rain out the window in his apartment and uh, goes and pulls out a record and puts on some music to uh, snuggle up with Reese. And then we see him, you know, he's got a remote. So he's like, kind of consistently turning the volume up on it trying to get any sort of response out of reese and you know we, we've really kind of seen him almost go through all that like he was very hardcore in in the denial stage at the very beginning of the episode and then he's kind of doing the bargaining thing with the, the the treatment from when reese was a preemie um and then here he the anger when he was you know upset with the audiologist now it's kind of almost bleeding into acceptance like he's kind of realizing that oh shit re- he really can't hear and like it's kind of all starting to wash over him and it's a really powerful moment i i was having a conversation with a listener today that you know his early pick for season five mvp uh very early pick being that we're in episode two but his his very early pick for season five mvp is benton because benton has such a tremendous arc this season when it comes to reese and i think i think he's got a very solid point there i mean there's this is definitely I think this is probably Benton's finest hour as a character is the entire arc around Reese's hearing and, and, or lack thereof, you know, it's, this is where Benton grows the most as a character. So good way to end the episode. And I do want to note two episodes in a row now to start the season. No Jeannie Boulay, despite her appearing in the credits in both episodes. I did a little digging in her IMDb. And the only thing I can think of other than just the obvious choice, the obvious answer of they're just not using her and they just don't have anything for her creatively at the moment. The only thing I can think of from looking at her IMDb is that she may be off filming a couple of TV movies that she was in that would premiere in early 99. That's the only thing that the timeline even sort of matches up for, for what she could be doing right now that would keep her off of ER. Um, but I don't know. I hope I, I would hope that it's that, and I would hope it's not that they just don't have anything for her because she was such a big part of both the last two seasons. 
I would hate to think that we get to season five here and they've just completely lost the thread on her. But it is a little bit odd that we've gone two straight episodes now without a single scene from Jeannie. Or mention. Right, even. yeah. She hasn't come up at all. So, very strange. She's working nights. That's their... that's, what, that's the go-to, yeah. That's, yeah, that's the go-to. Lydia was on nights for a but, solid six seasons. Yeah. I would say this is a solid B-plus episode, honestly. Like, it does so much in terms of world-building. Oh, rather versus world building but just like setting up for the future yeah. it lays so much it sets up so much scaffolding for that's gonna be built upon for this for the storyline i'm my brain's not functioning properly no you're, you're <laughs> absolutely right articulating this well. it's the definition of a b-plus episode it is it's not filler um but it's also not an all-time great one either it's just good it's a damn good episode it's solid in every respect there's no part of it that you groan and roll your eyes at and go oh god i wish they didn't do that uh every part of it is working at least pretty good and there's a few parts of it that work a little bit better than others and there's really i have zero complaints about this episode i don't have anything that i'm like ready to like shout from the mountaintops that i love so much about this episode i can't wait to talk about ever you know forever and ever it's just it it is it is one of those episodes that is but yeah that's kind of the how i was thinking like there's nothing that'll stand out in my brain as like oh my god remember that awesome moment s in season five episode two but when this one one like this comes along i'm just happy to see it lauren any thoughts you guys both took the words right out of my mouth an excellent use of the word scaffolding i that that was a sentence that I started in my brain and I just hoped I found it along the way and I didn't really. But, but good, good, good word use. I like yeah. it. Good plot scaffolding. It's because they have scaffolds up on the building it's, across the yes, street. Yes, use what you know. But um, but yeah, you guys took the words right out of my mouth. It's perfectly cromulent. It gets the point across and it's an entertaining watch. Amen. I didn't have the word cromulent in my head, so that one was all you. But what did the listeners have to say about it? Uh, Gen T starts us off with regarding Market Rachel's game. On my rewatch, I kept being annoyed by the lack of medical staff at youth sports, a problem that continues today. That's it. That's the post. <laughs> I should note that that's what Jen said. Yeah. I did not just shit on her. Yeah. Um, KDH says, firstly, I loved the through line with Jerry trying to get the AC fixed. When he finally gets it fixed and says it's a perfect 70 degrees, you have two different people saying it's still stuffy or it's chilly, and I laugh out loud every time. Poor Jerry can't catch a break. Also, as a paramedic myself, I enjoy Mark being the medical director and being so involved. I've worked with many that don't even read the reports, and it's discouraging. All in all, love this episode. Carly M. says... Carol was even more annoying in this episode. She would have gotten along with Sam if there was if she was there in later seasons. Cry laugh emoji. And the soccer game felt totally random. Carly, this is where we're going to disagree. <laughs> and I also am going to disagree with you all on the Sam hate when we get there. And Franner W says, when Peter asks if someone has paged him and Jerry pipes up, yeah, abdominal mass in trauma one. Sounds like a triple A. They all stop and look at him. What? I pay attention. Perfect Jerry moment. A plus. Thank you so yeah. much for pointing that out because it was one of those moments yes. that brought a smile to my face as soon as I saw it. I was like, that's our boy. Yes, both both those Jerry moments definitely did. I just dropped the ball because the notes were moving so fast. So thank you, listeners, keeping us honest and keeping us Team Jerry. All right. Well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash setting the tone podcast. 
For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. For only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. Two regular access to all of our cast and crew interviews. And over 20 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes. A bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in the moment. Movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. And flash forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We Also, I would like to note on that, we've had a lot of new patrons over the last month or so. Welcome. Thank you all very much for your support. We love y'all. Uh, we would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Setting the Tone Podcast. And we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also be sure to check out the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me questioning my decision to read fan fiction for the Patreon on my personal Twitter at Lobob92345. Five dollars and up, check that out. It's it's pretty it's it's Daniel described it as uh what as ASMR. Yeah, it's it's ASMR for housewives. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> it was a joy to add it. Um and you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at randomgamer, that's JM3R, as well as on the Popular Quartz YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect Legendary Edition. New episodes, new episodes of that are out every Friday, and you can find those videos and much, much more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Bye.